The Old Testament reading can be found on page 908. It's Malachi chapter 3, starting to read at verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you can, will you stand for the gospel that can be found on page 918. It's Matthew 6, beginning at verse 19 to 21, and then 24 to 34. The reading about treasures in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And from 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, not mu- are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
So I sat writing this talk while a crack team of removal men were systematically packing up our house to move us into the vicarage three days ago. We've never had a packing service to move us before, and it turned out they didn't need me hanging around, getting in the way. Um, so I showed them where the tea was, and I went off to camp in the vicarage. Moving house, I find, makes you reflect on what you've had and what you're going to. And it's filled me with gratitude for what we've had. A comfortable home to raise our children in, more than we need, really, even when money was particularly tight. Enough rooms to make me whinge about having to clean them all. Spaces to be together, spaces to escape for time alone. Food in the fridge, a shady garden for tents and paddling pools. For 16 of those years, a tortoise roamed its patch of the grass and gravel there. We have friends, good neighbours and health. We've laughed and cried in that home. We've shared trivial things and deep things with others. There have been prayer times, dinner parties, birthday parties, illnesses and recovery, meetings, sleepovers, cots, babies, grandparents. When the season is right, God moves us on to new places, new spaces, new people and new responsibilities, and I'm deeply grateful for our new home in Seasalter now. And God is moving us on here in this church too. We've always longed to be a journeying church, a church of the river rather than a lake. And today we will be later on celebrating with Philip Hampton through baptism, his desire to journey in faith. How do you respond to a God who gives his very life for you? By giving your life to him. And as Philip's church family, we want to travel with him and learn and grow together wherever life ultimately leads him to live and work and thrive. And in recent months, we've been spending some time praying and seeking God for the kind of church we're meant to be in this next stage of our journey. And we're hearing the Holy Spirit calling us to press in closer to God, closer to one another, closer to our community, and we know that we need to do that right across the age groups from the very youngest to the very oldest in our church and our community. And we know we are really blessed to have this amazing building here. It's a really useful space and set of spaces, isn't it? And we've got a really beautiful refurbished prayer-soaked space in the original tiny church up the hill. So I was pondering what it is that we've learnt as a church community about God's generosity and giving over the years. I think we've learned it starts with gratitude. And gratitude starts with the acknowledgement, firstly, that God is our provider at the very deepest level. Not just a provider of stuff, like a kind of divine waiter, but a God who meets us in provision at our very deepest point of need. It's Abraham who recognizes that about God when he takes Isaac to the land of Moriah, believing he is meant to sacrifice him. And God firstly provides a way out of the impossible, challenging situation. He prevents the sacrifice, providing a ram instead. And then God preserves the promise to make Abraham a great nation through Isaac. And in response, a desperately relieved Abraham names the place where that all takes place, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about God's vast range of provision. Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of those. It shows us that God loves and treasures all that he has created, and he's provided for all of it too. So why should we get anxious about his provision for us? He's given us everything we need, although we're often rather bad at doing our bit and sharing it. Ultimately, of course, God's provision is crowned by Jesus Christ by providing his only son as a rescuer for our sin and from evil so that we might not perish but have eternal life, life in all its fullness and all its abundance. This is the very deepest need we have, life in place of death, forgiveness for our wrongdoing and release from its effects. And that's what Jesus showed the world through his work on earth, isn't it? Healing, restoration, forgiveness. He showed compassion. He showed mercy. Money out of the mouth of a fish, for goodness sake. And said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We've learned, too, that it's linked to faith. When we seek God and when we hear his will for us and our community, then we are inspired to pray. And when we pray, God does release generosity in us and the resources that we need to fulfill his will for us and for our community. That's how this place got built. Because God, in his grace, brought the vision to the church. The church prayed and then worked to bring it about, trusting in God for the provision. And it did unlock generosity in us. We wanted a place where we could gather to be church and do this faith journey together. But we wanted to do it in the heart of our community with a building that could be used to bless and to serve that community, especially during the week. And we're so excited by what God has done and is doing here. Third age activities like singing and games events, community lunches, the long running open door coffee morning, Pilates classes, blood donating, counseling, age concern, pulse the after school club, youth activities, toddlers, family fun mornings, holiday clubs, there is always something going on in here. Just consider the blessing that God has poured out. And we want to sustain what's happening, and we want to grow it more. The building's been here for 12 years now. It's getting tatty in places, and bits drop off. We need to make repairs. We need to raise payment for the refurbishment that's been happening at the old church. And that space will come into its own as groups are able to book it. The toilet's going in. Um, over the next couple of weeks if it's not in there already. Our youth and our children's work at the moment is at capacity. We need to sustain the funding for Jane and Georgina and consider prayerfully where God is wanting us to provide more resources and grow that work. There aren't many churches in our region that are able to do youth work at the moment. We can't lose that. We can't. We've learned too, that we have to put our money where our mouth is, especially as Jesus talked about money a lot. Because we're part of a great big community in need right on our doorstep who may not know how much they are loved by God and how much we'd love to do the ups and downs of life alongside them. Generosity begins with the understanding that in the way things work in the kingdom of God, our very thriving depends on the thriving of others. We're made and called to flourish in community. And in Malachi chapter 3, we heard it read, 
Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And he talks about the blessing that will come, um, that there won't be pests devouring the crops. He talks, he builds a picture of fruitfulness if we honor God. So that key to our fruitfulness and our flourishing is honoring God by recognizing that what we have comes from him in the first place. And we need to make it freely available for his purposes and for the flourishing of one another. God's heart is to give to us with generous abundance. And you see that pattern running right through the Bible. Manna from heaven that rained from the skies, everyone gathering just as they needed. Water from the rock, a bottomless jug of oil, a picnic lunch for thousands, a net groaning with fish after a night of empty net casting. Sometimes God provides in the most astonishingly detailed ways that directly meet our need at the time. Many years I was standing in a Christian bookshop uh, many years ago when a particular Bible reference book caught my eye. And I bought it and I sent it on a whim to a couple who were at Missionary Training College just because I thought they might find it useful. And a couple of days later, I got a letter from one of them saying that they'd had a lecture that morning and a particular reference book had been highly recommended and they were on a tight budget, and so they decided between them that they couldn't afford it. You can guess the rest, and how excited they were to find it sitting, waiting for them that very day in their postal pigeonhole. But God most often, in the day-to-day, seems to choose to give in ways that will help us thrive as human beings, collectively as well as individually. He provides the water, the seed, the sun. We collaborate by planting and cultivating. We reap what we sow. Work, too, you see, was always meant as gift. We have a responsibility to reflect God's abundant generosity to us in our generosity to one another in the church, in the community, and further afield. We know that the resources in this world are not fairly or justly shared, and we must bear our responsibility for our part in that. I'm not going to go into this very much more now because next week we're going to expand on the theme of how we respond to God's generosity. But right now it's time for Keith to come and uh, talk to us in some practical and strategic terms about how giving works at Sea Salter. Good morning, everybody. Um, it struck me that it's not just the building that's starting to get tatty and bits dropping off uh, as I was uh, reflecting on how I've journeyed through 12 years as well. um, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about the practical steps to respond to the call for generosity. At the back over on the table, there's an envelope um, addressed to everybody, um, or individually uh, addressed. Inside it, there's quite a lot of information, so I just wanted to go through that. First of all, there's um, a letter from Paulette, Um, which just gives the outline of the stewardship campaign. And then there's some information and there's some forms that need filling in. So the information ones are the green one, which explains the why and how of Christian giving. The blue one, which is about leaving a legacy. Um, And a booklet called Money Matters. Now, if you were at the annual meeting, you should already have got one of these and in which case we've tried to remember who was at the annual meeting and take the book out so that we've got enough to go round. Um, So there should be one of those as well if you weren't at the meeting. 
And then there's the important forms, which are, are the response. So there's the yellow one, which tells us what you're actually intending to do. And this is important for us to plan ahead so we know what we're likely to be getting in each month and across the year. Um, there is also a gift aid form. So if you tick on the yellow form that you'd like the church to recover gift aid, you also need to fill in the gift aid response. Now those two forms go into the little envelope that we've given you and there is an address on it. You can either post it, drop it in at the address, or you can return it here, um, either into the office during the week or into the um, offertory basket on Sunday. We would like all the responses back by Sunday the 9th of June. Thank you. And then the final, and maybe the most important one, is if you do electronic banking or um, paying by standing order, there's a white form that has to go to your bank to tell them to change the amount. Um, we can't, you know, if you fill the yellow form in and say you want to change it up or down, we can't do anything with that with your bank. So uh, you need to tell your bank what's happening on the giving to the church. So um, that's one of the most important ones. If at the end of the day you find everything in this pack just too confusing uh, to understand, you've got two choices. Speak to one of us, David or Paulette, the church wardens or me, um, or just throw them all in the bin and tell your bank to change the money anyway because we will cope somehow. Thanks a lot. If you're able to stand, let's stand and say the creed. <clears throat> so let us declare our faith in our generous God. Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? I believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son? who took our human nature, <clears throat> died for us and rose again? I believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit, who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? I believe and trust in him. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We sit to pray. <clears throat> Dear God, thank you for keeping all your marvellous promises to me. Your promise to feed me and with food and drink so that I am well fed and watered. Your promise to clothe me, so I am warm and dry, and for giving so much more than I could possibly have earned or deserved, from the family and friends who love me and care for me, to the beauty of the world I live in. And thank you, God, for sparing me from the consequences for all the things that I have earned and deserve, for failing to do as you ask of me.
failure to love others, failure to give of my time without counting the cost, failure to think well of people, failure to give back enough of what you have given me. God, I pray for those who don't have enough food and drink, whether they be in East Africa, South Sudan, the Yemen, or here in Whitstable and Seasalter. I pray that they would know your promise and not have to wait long for it to be fulfilled. I also pray for the, all your people who give their time, their money, and their love to help the hungry, including all those working for and supporting Food Bank. Risen Christ, hear our prayer. <coughs> God, I pray for those who don't have sufficient clothes to wear or homes to keep them warm and dry. I pray that they too would know your promise and soon be housed and clothed. God, I pray for those people and organisations that give so generously of their time, spirit and possessions to those without clothes and homes, including all those involved with and supporting Porchlight. Risen Christ, hear our prayer. God, I pray for those who worry about tomorrow, both for those who have real and significant material challenges and to those, like me, who fall into the trap of worrying about the small things and fail to remember the promises that you have given us, the promises that you have kept, and all your abundant grace and mercy. Risen Christ, hear our prayer. God, I pray for all those who have not heard, yet heard of your promise and so can have no hope in your salvation, no option but to worry, with no knowledge of the existence of a loving, caring God. I also pray for all those who give so generously of their lives to help bring the message of your promise to all. In particular, I pray for Catherine and Gift who return to Uganda in June. May you make them more successful. Risen Christ, hear our prayer. God, I pray that I would be continually reminded of your huge generosity to me and encouraged to give of my time give of my love, give of my spirit, and give of my money to those less fortunate than me, and not to count the cost. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Gift, would you like to come and join us at the front? Thank you. Richard's already prayed, but um, we do want to pray for you as, as church and send you back with our blessing. It's been really good to have you with us. With a couple of people who are nearby want to come and lay hands on Gift, and we'll just pray for him and his family. <coughs> just to let you know, too, um, something we can be praying for them as they go. Um, there is a shortfall in your monthly budget, I understand, at the moment. So they've been doing fundraising while they've been here. Um, so please pray for them in that, that that monthly shortfall will be closed. Um, and uh, if you feel led to speak to Gift about that, then do catch him after the service. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, Gift and for the gift of this family to us um, in this church. We pray for Gift, for Catherine, for James and Simon Peter as they return, for blessings and safety in their journeying that they would get all, all the bits and pieces from home that they need out to Uganda, that the domestic arrangements and the changes that are happening in their home there will be sorted smoothly. And we pray for a, an effortless transition back into the work and life there, 
particularly for the boys, we ask that um, getting back into school will be seamless for them. We pray for renewed friendships and uh, good times with colleagues and that you would pour out your blessing spiritually and financially upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.